Isn't God good this morning? Come on, give him some more praise. Yeah. We, uh, we love to praise Jesus. We love to, uh, to clap at this church. If you don't like clapping, I'm sorry, um, but we're going to clap some more. So uh, thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Adam Harold. My wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this community. We call the refuge together. We do it as a team. She's very much a part of it as much as I am. And, you know, you guys... Uh, have given us a gift today. You may not know, have known it, but you have given us a gift by giving us your presence um, and being here with us. And uh, we just thank you so much for, uh, I know it got a little slick out there. I know uh, there's uh, some disease that's floating around in the air, <laughs> you know, hopefully not this air, but uh, you know, there's a pandemic going on and uh, you guys have been brave to, to come And uh, just, it's a blessing. And we just, we never want to take it lightly. We never want you to think that that we take it lightly, that you would be here. And um, it's just a gift. So if you're new here, if you haven't uh, filled out a card and dropped it in the box um, or given it to someone, uh, then uh, I'd love to send you a card this week just to say thank you for being here. Um, But today is a special day. Because today we are beginning 21 days of prayer. And um, I'll tell you, 21 days of prayer has, um, has built this church to where it is today. We wouldn't be here if, if we didn't pray. Um, so I was talking with my friend Dave that leads our prayer team yesterday. And um, I told him, I said, you know, Dave, I, I have a feeling that God is going to do something something." insurmountable in this 21 days of prayer of 2022. And um, I believe that because uh, I said, it's not because we're in a building. You know, I, I think that I don't want people to, to, to think that all of a sudden now, because we have a building and we're, we're doing 21 days of prayer in our building. Now God's going to do something insurmountable. That's not true. It's because we've been doing this since day one. Um, Tanya and I moved here in uh, 2016, uh, and we launched the Refuge Church in 2017. In that time period of, of June to, to March, we, we spent time building a team together. And by the grace of God, we were able to get a team of 50 people. And during that season of, of preparing to launch the Refuge Church, to take off, to, to open, uh, we did 21 days of prayer then with, with just 50 of us. And we're still doing it to this day. And it's not because we're in a building, but it's because we've done it over and over and over again. I think this is our, um, our if, if my math is correct, this is our seventh uh, 21 days of prayer that we've done because we do them two, two, twice a year. And um, we'll do it again in September. Um, during January, we emphasize prayer and fasting. And so, um, so many of you, we invite you to pray and fast with us. Um, you can fast from, there's, there's two different forms of fast, in my opinion. There's, there's a food fast, which is what the Bible talks about when it talks about, about fasting. The word fast in, in Greek literally means to cover your mouth. And so to, to fast from food. Or there's what's called a soul fast. And um, you can do a soul fast by just getting off of social media. 
um, and, and feed your soul by getting off of social media. And how good does that sound? Come on, somebody, right? So um, to get off of social media, media in general, um, you know, and, and just to, we say this, and, and, and it's scriptural, but we say that you pray to connect to God. Like when you, when you pray and when you talk to God, you're, you're talking to him to connect to him. It, he's not like talking to a person that, um, or, or your husband or your wife that you feel like it's just in one ear and out the other. It's not like that with God. You can actually connect to him when you speak to him. And so when we pray, we connect to God. But when we fast and we, we, and, and we go without anything, we disconnect from this world. So we say, we pray to connect to God, we fast to disconnect from this world. And so, um, so this is a season of doing those two things, disconnecting from the world and connecting to God. And so um, tomorrow morning, I will be here at 6 a.m. Um, in this room, and we'll have worship music on. Um, I'll give a quick devotion, and then um, we will we'll, we'll pray together, and um, we'll do that by... Uh, breaking out into groups and or, or praying alone if you want to, um, and then we'll come back together to pray corporately for the last 15 minutes or so, and it, it should last an hour. You should be done by seven o'clock. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great because we're gonna do that Monday through Friday, and then on Saturday again we're gonna do it at 9 a.m. And it's, um, I'm excited. Three weeks of going after God intentionally. And um, we do it this way because we can't do it this way all the time. I don't, I don't think God wants us to do it this way all the time. Um, but, but he wants us to do it this, he wants it, us to do it so that it becomes like this all the time. And so, um, and the reason we do 21 days is because uh, science has proven that tw- it takes 21 days to form a habit. And, um, and so, we just want to form the habit of, of seeking after God. So um, if we could pray this morning real quick um, for 21 days of prayer. Uh, and as always, if there's any prayer needs that you have, um, there are cards. Um, as you walk out, um, there are cards that, that aren't just connection cards, but they have, prayer card, pr- they have a, a place for prayer needs. And if you fill those cards out, we'll pray for you um, during this 21 days of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for uh, the ability that we have that you've given us to enter your throne room. Father, to come before the King of kings and Lord of lords. To come before you. Lord, I, I pray that, that you would just pour out special blessing and favor upon us over the next 21 days. But Lord, do it because of you and who you are, not because of us and what we do. Father, you are so good. You're so good to us. We don't deserve you. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that has never sought after you, has never come before you, Lord, I pray that they would do that today. That they would have their hearts forever changed. Their lives forever blessed. Their their future, God, just reshaped. Lord, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So uh, last week we began a series that I'm calling The Things That Shape Us. 
And um, the fact of the matter is, is we all have a worldview. Every single one of us, every single human being that exists has a worldview, and that worldview has been shaped by certain things. Um, I said last week at the end of my, my message that I believe I've got three things that shape us. Number one is experience. And so today we're going to talk about the experience that experiences shape us and how experiences shape us and how we can learn from the experience that, that we go through. And, and if we learn this, I believe, if we learn this about God, then our lives will be forever impacted. And, and so uh, next week we're going to talk about how education shape, shapes us. So experiences, education, and then finally, uh, week three, we're going to talk about the people that we esteem and how they shape us, the people that we look up to. And um, those are all three things that shape us, and I think that it's okay that those three things shape us. But we have to learn from the shaping, in or, like, and, and, and it has to be founded on God's word as we shape our worldview. And so this isn't a, a, a series about different worldviews and, and, and how one and how uh, the Christian worldview is, is the right worldview. That's, that's not, even though it is, it's not what we're getting after today. What we're getting after today is how what shapes us needs to, to, um, to be God-honoring and how it needs to be with Him in mind. And so... Uh, that's what we're talking about today. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we find our theme verse for our series. It says this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The fact of the matter is, is testing in this life will happen. I'm not, I'm not one of those preachers that tells you life is going to be uh, rainbows and butterflies all the time. I'm one of those preachers that's going to tell you life's going to stink. Pastor Adam, you should be more positive. I'm positive that life is going to stink. Because we go through trials, people that say, that God won't give me anything more than I, they can, than I can handle, don't know God's word. Because God's word teaches you that he will give you more than you can handle because you need him to handle it. Therefore, we must transform the way that we think about the things that happen to us. We do it by renewing our mind. And so last week, I said that the big idea for this whole series, the one thing that I want to communicate this entire time, is that God doesn't want you to conform. He wants you to transform. He doesn't want you to conform. He doesn't want you to be like someone else. Or, or, and, and we talked about how that word in the Greek language, it means to, to be in union with someone else or to be, to be with something. And so it's not about being like or, or being with anyone else. It's about being the person that God wants you to be, transformed by him. And so we must allow him to transform us, his word to transform us. If you missed that message, you can go back to refugemain.church 
slash messages and, and listen to it. But today I want to talk to you about how experience shapes us. And um, I think it's important to look at God's word and to look at the people of God's word because um, he's put them there in order for us to learn from. And we can learn from, uh, from the people there. And I, the, the, the story that God put on my heart this week was the story of the children of Israel. You see, I think that in order to, to figure out what's shaping us or, or, or the experience that shapes us, we have to go back to the beginning. We have to go back to, like, to, to, when, you know, to, to when God formed the earth. And, and so when God formed the earth, he created Adam and Eve, and then, um, and then the flood came. And there was a guy by the name of Noah that built a big boat. You guys have heard that story, right? And so Noah builds, builds an ark, and, and, and mankind is spared. And God was merciful because there wasn't a, a, a righteous person on, on the planet except for Noah. And so Noah builds an ark, and, and, and it rains, and it wipes out the, the, um, the world. And, and then we find a man by the name of Abraham. You know who he is. Because y'all sang the, the, the Sunday school song, Father Abraham had many sons. Had many sons, had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. You guys, you guys are actually singing with me. First, first service didn't sing with me. I love it. Right arm, left arm, Father Abraham. I'm not going to go on, but you know who he is. Abraham was a man that God said, because of your faithfulness to me, I will make a covenant with you. I will form in a, a covenant is an agreement. Now, um, uh, covenants are, are funny. Um, they're, they're great. And w- when I think about a, a covenant, I think about when I was in, in college. Um, <laughs> I, um, when I was in college, I signed an agreement that said I wouldn't drink alcohol when I was, I, I was, I, I mean, I was college age. I was, I was 19 when I, I think I was 20 when I got there because I was a super senior. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and I was 20 and then, and then 21, 22, you know. And, and so I'm drinking age, legal drinking age, and I, but I had signed a covenant that said I wouldn't drink. Well, that was an agreement that I made with the, with the college, I broke that covenant when I was in college. But then when I was 31 years old, I got a job at a church that wanted me, that asked me to sign a covenant that said I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink. And so in order to be on staff at the church, I had to sign the covenant that said I wouldn't drink. Now, we don't, we don't make people sign that covenant here at the refuge. That's, this was just the, the, the church that I, I got a job at at the time. And... I looked at it and I said, God, you have given me a second chance. And I signed that covenant and I, and, and I was on staff there for five years and not a drop of alcohol. Because I was willing to, to hold to the, to the covenant 
the second time. God doesn't always give us a second chance, ladies and gentlemen. And when he does, he is merciful. When he does, he doesn't give us what we deserve. And this morning, I want us to learn, I want to show you, by looking at what the children of Israel went through, that God is always merciful in our experience. God never gives us what we deserve. Never. If he gave me what I deserved, I would have been dead a long time ago. Because I don't deserve my next breath. But he gives it to me out of his mercy and his grace and his love for me. I think that this is a concept that Christians often struggle with. Because... um, we toss around the word deserve a lot. And if, if I could eliminate the word deserve from the English dictionary, I would. Because I don't deserve anything. So the children of Israel, they are Abraham's descendants. They're, they're his family. And so he, God had entered a covenant with Abraham. And because he had entered that covenant with him, he promised Abraham that he would bless his, his family. And so... The children of Israel um, are, long story short, they're, they're, they're in captivity in this land known as Egypt. And they're in Egypt and they're in slavery. And, and it's a long story on how they get there. It's all through um, the, the books of Genesis and Exodus. You can, you can go and, and read those. And, and so they're in Egypt, they're in slavery, until one day God raises up someone to deliver them by the name of Moses. Moses was, was, was the man that, w- that God would use to go and rescue his children from, from Pharaoh in Egypt. Now, some of you may, may know this story. Some of you may not. But, and hopefully, and I, I like to tell the stories of God's word, hopefully in a way that even if you've heard them, you, you don't realize it. And so the children of Israel, um, Moses delivers them. They go and they wander for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. Listen, I'm 41 years old. It's a long time. That's like a whole generation of people. And what happens is, is the children of Israel are, are wandering in the wilderness and they come to this mountain called Sinai. The Mount, Mount Sinai, um, and, and God tells Moses, Moses, come up to this mountain where I will meet with you. And so Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, and on that mountain, God establishes the terms of his covenant. We call them the Ten Commandments. But Moses didn't go up to Mount Sinai more uh, once. He went up more than once. And on the second time that he goes up to Mount Sinai, he goes up in Mount Sinai, and, and God is establishing more terms of the covenant. He start, this is where he gives them um, the dimensions of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was, um, it was the first portable church. It really was. They, the children of Israel would carry the things in, and, the, and, the, and then when they would set up, they would set up the tabernacle. And in fact... Um, if you want to go next level with 21 days of prayer, I want to, I want to teach you the tab- what's called the tabernacle prayer. And um, I'll do that on one of the Saturdays. But if, 
if you want to um, get extra credit, or if you want to, not that I'm giving out any extra credit today, but um, if you want to, if you want to get ahead of the schedule, you can stop by on our on our way out on your way out today. Um, the desk on the way out there's a um, there's a book there. That's it's a blue book. It's called it says Pray First on it. Um, someone just held it up. So um, and those are free, completely free. Um, you can we had those printed a few years ago. Um, you can take one today. Also, in your app store on your cell phone, if you go into the, your, your, your app store and you type in Pray First in your app store, um, the Pray First app is phenomenal. Um, it's all digital, and it'll help you walk through, like, it'll walk you through prayer in your, in your own life. And so, and, and the tabernacle prayer is, is one of the prayers that's, that's available there, and it will transform your prayer life. It's my favorite way to pray. So Moses is up in the, in the mountain the second time, and God gives him uh, more terms of, of the covenant between him and Israel. And while he's up there, <laughs> which, by the way, when he came down the first time, it's very important that I point out that when he came down the first time, he presented the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. And they agreed to the terms of the Ten Commandments. How many of you know what the first Ten Commandments is? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The very first Ten Commandments. And so Moses is up on the mountain in um, the second time. And during the second time that he's on top of the mountain, God interrupts him and goes, hey, Moses, we have a problem. This is found in Exodus chapter 32. Moses, we have a problem. Your people are crazy. They're so crazy, they have broken my first commandment. You see, while Moses was on the mountain, he, they, the, the children of Israel, they go to Aaron, Moses' brother, who happens to be the high priest, and they say to Aaron, Aaron, what is taking your brother Moses so long? He's nuts. We don't want to follow him. We want to follow a God that we want you to make for us. So make us a God that can lead us. Make us a God that can follow us. And I can just say this right now. In my life, I tend to do that. I tend to start to follow other gods. I start to, God, you're, you're taking too long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go on ahead of you. Right? We have a tendency to do that in our own lives. But they, they said to Moses, Moses, make us a God that we can follow. And in the middle of God saying to Moses, Moses, your people are crazy. They've, they've made, an, they've made a, a, a golden calf. And they've broken my covenant, and I am ticked. Verse 11 of Exodus chapter 32 says, But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn so hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them, from the face of the earth, turn from, turn 
from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. God was mad and he was about to destroy the people. And Moses said, God, hold up. If you destroy them, Egypt's going to look at you and go, all he did was rescue them just to kill them. What kind of God does that? And he goes on, verse 14. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing to his people. Moses changed God's mind. He did. It's right here. He said, God, this goes against your character. What you're about to do is going against your character. That's not who you are. And so, God changes his mind. And he spares the children of Israel. When the children of Israel deserved to die, he did not kill them. Because he is merciful. Because he doesn't give us what we deserve. So Moses comes down on the, off the mountain. And you know what Moses does? He gets mad. He gets so mad, he chucks the tablets on the ground and they shatter. It's like, oh no. <laughs> um, God, could you rewrite those? <laughs> he got so mad, he broke the tablets. He threw them down. And then we come to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1 is the final book of what's called the Torah. The Torah is, is the first five books of the Bible. It's um, Jewish kids growing up would go to learn and memorize the first five books of the Bible. And if they were really good at memorizing the first five books, then guess what? They'd go on and, re, re, and uh, learn the rest of the Old Testament. And so the, Deuteronomy is the last book in the Torah. And... Um, it means, the, the word Deuteronomy in, um, in, in Greek means second law. Because God wrote the law twice. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, we find a story about, about the, the children of Israel. Because God tells them, God tells them to go into the land that I want you to go. Look at verse 6. The Lord God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough in the, uh, at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in Arba, in the hill country and in the lowland in the Negev, and by the seacoast in the land of the Canaanites in the Lebanon, in, in Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates. Verse 8. See, I have set the land before you. Go and take possession of the land the, the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. So God tells the children of Israel, it's time for you to leave, and it's time for you to go into the land that I told your father, Abraham, that I was going to give to you. It's time. <laughs> this, was a, this was the moment that the children of Israel, all the people leading up to them, had been waiting for. But watch what happens. Skip down to verse 29. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you himself will fight for you. 
just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son, all the way that you went until you came to this place. But look at verse 32. Yet in spite of his word, you did not believe that the Lord your uh, believe the Lord your God. How terrible. God had shown them over and over and over again that he is able to be believed. Verse 33, who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. God has proven himself. He's been with you and you didn't listen to him. After all God had done for Israel, they still didn't believe in. And in verse 34 through 38, And the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore that not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give your fathers. Because the children of Israel didn't believe God, he said, you know what, fine. This whole generation will not see the the promised land that I told Abraham that I would give you. This whole generation, which tells us that there are still consequences for our decisions. There are still consequences for what we do, we can learn three things from the children of Israel in the wilderness. Number one, when you make an agreement, keep it. When you make an agreement, keep it. They made an agreement. They didn't keep it. Kind of like, like when I was in college. I didn't keep my agreement. There were consequences for that. But God was merciful. Number two, learn from the past. Don't dwell in it. You can learn from your past without dwelling in your past. Because when you dwell in your past, you get paralyzed in the past and you never grow. Don't dwell in the past. You see, the children of Israel, you know what they did? They were in the wilderness and they started to complain. They complained so much that they said, God, just send us back to Egypt. We, we could eat all the time. We could eat consistently there. They beat us, but we could eat consistently there. And they were in slavery. Learn from your past. Don't dwell in it. Number three, the third thing that we can learn is our lack of obedience often means that someone else receives our blessing. Your lack of obedience means that someone else will receive your blessing. I've told God in my life, God, whatever you ask me, the answer is yes. You know why? Because I'm selfish. I don't want anyone else to get my blessing. So God, whatever you ask me, that I I will do because I'm selfish. I don't want anyone else to get my blessing. 
And so this story teaches us that God doesn't want us to conform, but he wants us to transform. And when we transform, it means that we understand in our experiences, God is always merciful. When you live a transformed life, no matter what is thrown at you, you can stand and say, God has been merciful. But how do we get there? So Moses sits down um, the next generation. You see, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land either. But before the next generation goes into the promised land, all the previous generation had, had all died. The next generation is ready to enter. And he sits them down in, in De- Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he teaches them a prayer that the Jewish people to this very day called the Shema. The Shema means the listening. Meaning that we will listen to this prayer. We will not just listen, but we will do. We'll do what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 25 is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. When we listen, these, when we really listen, the words are written on our hearts. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit them in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What is he talking about writing down? The word of God. Keep it before you. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with, with great and good cities that you did not build. Woo! The children of Israel didn't build the cities, but God was giving them to them anyway. They didn't deserve them. And the houses full of all the good things that you did not fill, and the cisterns that you did not dig, and the vineyards of olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and you are full, then take less, and you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Ladies and gentlemen, that's mercy. He goes on, verse 13. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of the... and is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and destroy you from off the face of the earth. 
You shall not put the Lord your God to test as you tested him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you, uh, and you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you. And that you may go in and take possession of a good land that the Lord swore to give to, to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord had promised. It goes on. When your sons ask you in the time to come. When your sons ask you. This is generational. Understanding God's mercy in my life sets up the next generation in my family. What is the meaning of the testimonies of the statutes of the rules of the, of the Lord our God has commanded you? Then shall you say your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household. Ladies and gentlemen, when the previous generation asked us all that God has done, we better have an answer. He has been merciful to me. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. There's three things that will always be before us if we pray this prayer in our lives. Number one, Loving God will be foundational. Love, the love of God is the foundation of this prayer. Number two, we will keep God's words before us and our families if we do this. We will keep his words before us and our families every single day of our lives. Finally, number three, is it will always remind us to remember all God has done. Lest we forget all God has done is my prayer for you today. That you would learn of God's mercy. Because if you can learn of God's mercy, you can learn of His grace. You see, mercy is not getting what I deserve, but grace is giving, getting what I don't deserve. All the goodness that God has for me, I don't deserve it. I deserve to die. But God gives me life through His Son, Jesus. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. We're going to wrap this up. You know... I don't deserve the air I breathe. 
But God gives it to me anyway. Is our prayer at the Refuge Church that you would understand that life with Jesus is the best life. And even when life gets difficult, He will be with you. And He'll make it so much easier. You know, it's my desire that every person that ever enters these doors would come to know Christ. The Bible says that God is willing that none should perish, but everyone shall come to him through repentance. The fact of the matter is the children of Israel did wrong. They sinned. And because they, they sinned, they deserved to die. That's why God got so angry. But Moses reminded him, God, you are loving and you are kind. And you are merciful. And you rescued them from Egypt. And when I sin and when I do wrong, you know what God does? He doesn't destroy me. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. God desperately wants you to have a relationship with Him. That's all He wants. But I always like to say that God is a gentleman and He never forces Himself on anyone. So He's not going to force you to believe in Him. Why doesn't God, if, if, if God wants me to have a relationship and He is all powerful, why doesn't He just make me do it? Well, guess what? He wouldn't be a gentleman that way. So everyone has a choice to make if they want, um, and that is to follow Jesus or not. And we just want to help you do that. If you want to do that this morning, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to say this prayer with me. And after you say the prayer with me, then come and see me in the hallway, in in the foyer. Let me know. Tell me. Say this prayer. Say, God, I know I need you. Come into my life by the blood of your son, Jesus, that died for my sin so that I can live for you the best way that I know how. I turn from my sin today so I can follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Isn't God good this morning? Come on, give him some praise. Yeah, we're going to sing a song and then we'll be dismissed.